Uh, open, if you will, in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 through 11. Those of you who have the Bible, you know, read to you, you know, sometimes you can have it read to you on some of the apps. I turn mine up to high speed, okay, so I can get through really quick. So if you're used to that, that's what this presentation is going to be this morning. Hopefully, everything will work here. Is that looking good? All right. We're uh, acting up here, but we don't need PowerPoint, do we? We have your handouts. And um, I wanted to, well, actually, for the, we're going to have the night in the museum at uh, ICR, and it's going to be in February. And uh, I would, it's going to be February 5th from 6 o'clock, or actually 5.30 in the evening till 9 o'clock. Uh, on behalf of the, the board at ICR and Dr. Galusa, we're going to be opening it up for this Sunday school class. So um, the URL is on your handout, like right in front of you. And so if you'd like to go ahead and register, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything. But I would suggest you make reservations now rather than waiting um, because I've set it at 500 or 600, and as soon as we kind of have basically filled it up, I'm going to open up to the rest of the church. So you may want to do that, and uh, um, that will be a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, the Discovery Center is just incredible. If you haven't been there, and this gives you a chance to, to, to see just that. Anyway, the title today is Christian Liberty or Loving Limits. Think about it. Um, we have Christian liberty, but but what does Paul say in this passage of Scripture? And also in chapter 8, we've already covered that thus far. But, but, but what does Christian liberty look like in relationship to um, our obedience to Christ, but then also loving each other uh, in Christ? Uh, I was highly encouraged by Dr. MacArthur's message on the same passage and would recommend you all to listen to that if you'd um, like to, to listen to it. Um, but in modern times, uh, we could come up with a, a, a whole catalog of listings of, of questionable activities. Um, if we had a little bit more time, we could open it up. But um, use of alcohol, dancing, cosmetics, women's dress, braided hair, men's dress, men's hair length. Uh, Daniel's going to talk about the hair length next week. Um, and uh, he's going to tell us how long we can wear our hair. Right, Daniel? Where are you, Daniel? I don't know where Daniel is. Anyway, he's normally in this class. But anyway, uh, tattoos, television, titles, uh, movies, card playing, wearing jewelry, all of those things. You know, and then we also talked about food sacrifice to idols in some parts of the country. Hey, let's give him a hand. Yes, Noah. You know, no, we were here at like 7.30 in the morning to make sure everything was working. And it was then. But uh, something happened. Um, there's the, the ICR. There's, that's what things look like there. We'll get through there. The URL, it's on your handout. And um, this is showing our schedule. Um, we're right there on January 7th. And this shows the rest of the schedule throughout the year all the way to August. We're going to get through both First and Second Corinthians. Christian Liberty. Um, what were some of the questionable practices in the past? And what are some of the questionable practices right now? Uh, in the past, uh, what we're covering right now in this passage, were really two areas. Uh, uh, the observation of, of Jewish days, you know, or, or religious days like the Sabbath and, and other things. And then the other thing was eating meat. Uh, 
uh, sacrifice to idols. Those were the two big things that were identified in Scripture, but I'm sure there were many more other cultural clashes of, of questionable activity and what things look like now um, in, in, in Christ. But uh, those are the things that we see in Scripture. Uh, go back to Romans chapter 14, 6 through 13. And we know that those who observe the day observe it in honor of the Lord. And also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord since they give thanks to God. And those are really the two big things that um, are really accentuated really throughout the entire New Testament. And that this is a really good corollary, um, the Romans 14 passage, about questionable things. And how do we act as brothers and sisters in Christ? So, so today we're going to refine this list with the do's and don'ts of Christian liberty, and we're going to come up with a whole set of things that we, as a church, are going to do week in and week out, right? No, 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 no. The focus isn't on um, actually what we can't do. Um, John MacArthur talks about the a location um, in the world. We have these communities around the entire United States. In fact, the world of, of, of communities that, of, of things that people don't do. They don't dance. They don't, uh, they don't do all these other activities that are questionable. And what are these communities called? Graveyards, Right? And, and, and so we don't, really the bottom line with that is we don't identify uh, our Christianity of what we don't do. It, it's, it's a transformation of the heart. It, it's what God does in and through us. And then that just determines um, how we're going to act. And it's kind of like a sliding scale because when I was going to college, it was hair length. And now it just doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't matter to me because I don't have very much hair. But, but, but the things to change over the years. So what we want to do is figure out what are the principles, if we're talking about the first century or we're talking about now, to guide us through that. Well, all of you know the, um, Paul's third missionary uh, uh, journey. Uh, the, the book of uh, Corinthians was written. And um, he was on his way to actually depart to uh, visit Corinth, but uh, it was written right around the early spring of either 54 or 55, um, and he intended to remain at Ephesus to complete his three-year stay, and his departure for Corinth was anticipated e even as he wrote this passage. Um, we go on, the Bible verse or the book verse for the, is, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and believers know Jesus Christ through what? His revealed word. And knowing truth is really the central theme to uh, really understanding the problems that were in uh, the church in Corinth. And so we're going to actually pierce down in the theme, and, and Paul wants them to apply doctrinal truth. He wants them to be, as the Puritans would say, catechized in doctrine, uh, so, that, so that they'll learn how to uh, live, to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, and how to love each other uh, biblically. So doctrinal unity is based on Christ and his written word, and, and in a negative way, weak commitment to doctrine destroys Christian love and unity, and that's exactly what was going on in the Corinthian church. If you look at the book outline, uh, the, these, these folks, these believers, were in their immaturity, not really sure how to live. So they wrote this, this letter to Paul. And now Paul writes 1 Corinthians to, to be, basically, it's the response to the letter that the Corinthians 
wrote him. And so if you look down the, the, the outline, and it's on your handout as well, um, you know, how do we, we act? Uh, we, you know, and Paul talks about disunity. He talks about um, how do we function sexually, or he talks about immorality, uh, vocational roles uh, of women or singleness and, and being married. And we're in the section of liberty. How do we, how do we basically function in, in the midst of Christian liberty? And then, of course, we're going to go on to worship and roles and the Lord's Supper and spiritual gifts and resurrection hope. All of these are in response to the letter that, you know, that, that was sent to Paul um, initially. And really, the two focus verses, I think, I think the gems, it's the word of God, it's all really pure. But the thing that really sticks out are these two verses. Uh, Whether then you eat or drink, and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's 1031. Most of you have memorized that verse. But then um, the, the Bible translators and, and the King James and the numbering of the text, they did a, a real awful infraction by taking 11.1 and putting it in a completely different chapter because it's part of this text. So that's the second verse. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And so we'll develop that a little bit further, hopefully, or maybe this is part A and maybe we'll do part B sometime. Anyway, the, the problem, let's start with the problem, and that really brings us to the, the, the reading of the words. Let's go ahead and read this. I think it's very important for us because it's really going to be teaching us as we go along because this is very, very practical even in our reading. Um, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable, verse 23. Uh, all things are lawful, but not all things edify. And let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Uh, eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. Um, but for the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. And then he goes into a case study. If one of the unbelievers invites you and, and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you. But don't ask questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, hey, that, that, that meat that you're eating is sacrificed to idols, don't eat it. For, for the sake of the one who informed you, the weaker brother, and for his conscience' sake. I mean, not your own conscience, but the other man's. Uh, for why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, if I pray over this food, if I pray over this pork, if I pray over this, this meat sacrificed to, to um, uh, idols, why am I slandered concerning that which for I give thanks? And then he talks about the all-consuming principles of love for God and man. Principle one, whether then you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then principle number two is really the evangelistic thrust in this passage. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. That's everyone, believers and unbelievers. And then he's going to really throw us something that, that we, it's really hard to stomach. Something that I've really been grappling with over the, the last couple of weeks and preparing for this message. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that may, they may be saved, be imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. You know, it's interesting, there's really... Two things, two thrusts that we just looked at. But just think about our New Year's um, resolutions. You know, many of us are, are wanting to lose weight. I think I've gained five pounds over the last couple of weeks. My suit is shrinking, I think. 
so I want to lose five pounds. Or, you know, you want to exercise more. You want to eat less fatty foods or, you know, all of the other stuff that's out there. But, but basically, how about this? How about 11-1? Uh, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. Wow, what a resolution. Is that even attainable? Is it? I mean, think about it. And yet, this is a command. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's inspiring Paul to, to write these words, and they're directed to you and to me. You know, we can talk about what it isn't to glorify God in, these, in this section of Scripture. Uh, in Ezekiel 36, 19 through 28, don't turn there, but write it down. Because we have a really good example of Israel and how they didn't glorify God because they were disobedient. They worshiped idols. They engaged in sexual immorality. And, and so Ezekiel 36, the, through the Holy Spirit, the, Ezekiel records that God is going to take the nation Israel, and there's one day as a nation, collectively, they are going to be worshiping God. They are going to be obedient. They are going to glorify Him. And it's going to be for the sake of His glory. And we can take that, that, that template and overlay it in this passage that that's the expectation that God has for us even in our Christian liberty. So we're going to move on and talk about, about the problem uh, or an axiom or, or the, just a situation. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable, verse 23. Look at the repetition. He says it again. All things are lawful, but they're not expedient or they don't edify so why does he repeat that statement twice what well, was a slogan it was something that was probably uh, uh, written down and said amongst the believers all things are lawful all things are lawful all things are lawful with the implication they could do anything that they wanted in those gray areas and it really didn't matter what anyone thought and, and so Paul kind of bundles that he repeats it twice to really emphasize the fact that that's not really true. Not all things edify. Uh, uh, there, are not, not everything builds up. Uh, Romans 14, 19 through 21. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. So you see, there, there's some constraints on our Christian liberty. You know, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is unclean, but it's wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. So you see, we can start understanding what the principles are, can't we? Just in, in, in even Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and, and in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So the problem, you know, we said axiom 1. Not all, all things are, are lawful, although um, they're there. And not all things are profitable. So how are we going to gauge the way, we, the way that we behave amongst each other? So now the, the apostle returns to 1 Corinthians 8 and he pulls up all the things that we've already studied in our Sunday school class. If you go there real quick to 1 Corinthians 8, now concerning food sacrifice to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge but knowledge puffs up, but loves builds up. Do you realize that knowledge in and of itself, I mean, we, could, we can knock people over the head with theology, can't we? We can go down to the, uh, the street corner and tell people they are going to hell. And, and the very fact is, is they are if they don't know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. But how we do that, it can be very, very degrading. 
and, and not glorifying to God because we're not tempering that with the love, uh, the steadfast love that the Lord has for us. I'm not criticizing going down and, and, and sharing the gospel. I think we need to be doing that. We have groups even from this church that does that. But how do we do that? Do we do it in pride? Or we do uh, it, it, with hu- the humility that we see that's commanded of us. And right here, Paul is saying, do it with humility. All things are lawful. He says that again in chapter 8. Uh, but anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. And Paul is saying you really don't know what you don't know when he, when he gets to that. But all the way through in verse 11, so by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. You know, it's interesting. In Luke 10, uh, 26 through 28, God gives us, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us an additional template to overlay even this passage. He said, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And with all your mind, and what, what else does he say on top of that? Love your neighbor as yourself. So even our Lord Jesus Christ is, is teaching the same thing in, in, in a different way, but it's still the same thing. He's overlaying knowledge with, with humility and, and to love God, to be obedient to him, but then also to lovingly and in humility uh, serve our neighbors. And he says in conclusion in verse 13 of chapter 8, Therefore, food is a cause of their falling. I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. He says, I'll pass on on the, the ribeye steak, you know. Not that ribeye steak is wrong, but that I'm not going to eat it in front of that person if it's going to cause them um, uh, to stumble in their conscience. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 26. When do I turn into a pumpkin here? Is it 1022? Um, is it 1030? Is it 1040? 10, oh, wow. Thank you. Well, we're ahead of time now. No, we're not. <laughs> anyway, we saw those two axioms about lawfulness, pragmatic, expedient, but we have two commands. So Paul, under this problem, says, says in verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Isn't that interesting? It's, it sounds exactly what we've talked about even in the other verses that we've looked at. You know, seeking one's own good is not always wrong, but it's less important than seeking the good of others. You know, we do have Christian liberties, but what he's saying is that when we weigh them to each other, we need to selflessly really bow down to the needs of each other, especially in the church. And there's a ranking, too, that Paul is going to show us even through this case study. But the second command, eat anything that's sold in the meat market. He said, go ahead, eat it, but, but, but without asking questions for conscience sake. Don't ask where it came from. Don't ask the question that you can't stand the answer. That's what we used to say in the military. And that's what my boss would always say. Stop asking questions, Chaz. For a Christian who bought meat in a market with the intent of eating it at home, Paul recommended that selections be made without reservation. You know? Well, that really takes us back to, or takes us to the principle. Why? Uh, It's in verse 26. Isn't it great? You know, God's word is so comprehensive. I'm not making this stuff up. We just study it and just look at the principle. It, It is so cool. For the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. And the emphasis in the Greek... 
uh, is the Lord in this, in this phrase. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. Uh, Psalms 96 uses a similar, similar phrase, the sea and all that it contains. is the same construction in the Hebrew. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord and all that it contains is from 24, Psalm 24.1. The world and all those who dwell in it. For he founded the seas. He's created everything. He's the creator God. He owns everything. Psalm 89.11, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that it contains. In Acts 10.15, we don't have time to go there, but remember what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Eat that bacon, Peter. It's good stuff. Uh, he liked a crispy, not, you know, anyway, no, he didn't. In 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. Pray over it, right? You know, it's interesting, I... Um, was thinking about the 70 apostles that were sent out in Luke. Remember the disciples of Christ? Two by two, they go out. And Christ says, wherever anyone who welcomes you into the house, you know, go to the house, but just eat whatever it is they put before you. And I was thinking, you know, I wonder if some of those guests or some of those people that offered their house were maybe Gentiles. Maybe people that had, quote, contaminated, you know, food that wasn't kosher. And yet, you know, and I'm just, you know, looking at the white space between the lines, but just to, just to really think that don't ask, just enjoy, pray over it and eat it. And that's even was from Christ's words when he sent out the 70. Well, that takes us to the practice. I'm going through this very quickly. Um, anyway, um, the practice, the case study. Now, this is Christian counseling, Daniel. This is, this is our case study. This is one of the things that may be in our case study, right? Yeah, he put his thumb up. Good. So, you know, we have to figure out how does the theology kind of, kind of seep into our practice, how we behave. So Paul's been addressing all the Corinthian believers up to now, and now he's segmenting out this one situation. If one of the unbelievers invites you, the pronoun has a slight change of meaning. So it's, it's not all of you, it's some of you. Um, some of the believers had pagan acquaintances. You know, they knew unbelievers. And the emphasis is on the calling. Now, uh, and you want to go. It didn't, it didn't mean that you had to go, as, as uh, you know, Calvin points out. But it's a request. You get this invitation. It's not a suggestion that one goes. The believer is not initiating. And, and at the same point, Paul is not advising them to go every time an unbeliever invites them to go to um, some sort of a, a soiree, a dinner party, or whatever it is, but, but he says, you can go, you can go, and, and, and you, but, but it's interesting is that um, some commentators at this point say, you know, you shouldn't even go to the house of a, an unbeliever, a Christian shouldn't, and yet they're not understanding what was in 1 Corinthians 5.11, we've already studied that passage, I wrote to you my letter not to associate with immoral people, oh, you see, it says it, immoral people right there, uh, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of the world, the unsaved of the world, uh, or with the covetous and the swindlers or the idolaters. And then uh, you wouldn't go out to the Lord. You couldn't evangelize is the point that Paul is making. 
Uh, but actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother, someone who pretends to be a believer in Christ, and yet at the same time, they act immorally and covetous, and they're a dial turner. So he says, so, but that was the emphasis in, in, in 1 Corinthians 5.11. So you can go is really what, what the, the passage is saying. Uh, but whatever is set before you in that, in that Gentile home or in that home, don't ask any questions for, for conscience sake, for the sake of your conscience making no inquiry, asking no questions, which might trouble your conscience, uh, but, but also the conscience of the other believers that are in there, especially a weaker brother. And, and so he goes on, if anyone says to you, this is meat sacrifice, if that weaker brother asks the question, hey, what about this meat? Where did it come from? And the, and the host says, this unbelieving host, this, this person that you're trying to evangelize, says to you, well, I, I got it at the meat market. In fact, most of the meat in, you know, in, in Corinth was meat sacrificed to animals. I, unless you had a, a, a Jewish butcher you could go to, Mort Stelly is the butcher I went to when I was growing up. He was right next door to the place where I used to work. And Mort was a Jewish butcher. And um, I, I shouldn't go down that track anymore because we don't have time. But I used to get the best kosher food. Not that I wanted it, but it's just really good food. But in Corinth, you probably didn't have that opportunity. You just, all the butchers were, were getting all this meat that was being sacrificed to idols. And they were basically preparing it for, for regular consumption. And so Paul says, just, just eat it. But if someone says to you, this meat sacrificed to idols, um, Paul says, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Why? Is it for... For, for the more mature believer's conscience? No. It's for the, the, this brand new person who's in the Lord, whose conscience hasn't been tempered and shaped according to the word of God. That person will get to, hopefully, the point in his or her life where this isn't offensive, that they understand the principle, the theology that we just talked about a few minutes ago. But until then, we want to behave in such a way, even though that was a, a big, fat, juicy uh, uh, T-bone steak. You know, you could just smell it. You could just see uh, that being put before the person. And, and then this whole idol thing comes out, and you just have to push it aside, and I'll take, you know, uh, I'll take lentils instead. Isn't that awful? That's horrible. That, that is really horrible for a meat lover like me. But, but, you know, that's what Paul is saying. Uh, for why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered? And what Paul is saying, basically, is if I pray for this food, and, and yet then my younger, uh, more, less mature believer is going to be offended by it, why should I be praying over it and eating it if he's going to be offended with my activity and that's exactly what that verbiage uh, says so it, it, this is the all-consuming practice um, of love which takes us to um, the petition let's see if there's anything more let's go right to the petition uh, this is a petition is really a formal written request and it's signed by the many people appealing to authority with respect to a particular clause uh, it's not the pilgrim's compact, that's what the picture is of the pilgrim's 
compact that was made, but it was a, the whole colony agreed that they would behave in a certain way. And so Paul is really getting us to the point where he wants all of us to behave in a certain way uh, when it comes to um, not offending uh, believers in Christ. And so that's really the focus or the thrust here. We've looked at the problem, the principle, the practice, and the petition. Uh, and, and, and here's, there's really two of them. Uh, petition one, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Colossians 3.23-25, whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your master, since you know that from the Lord you'll receive an inheritance as your reward. We're not serving our masters. Uh, we're not serving even each other in a sense that by our kind acts, we're serving our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is all inclusive. Um, and that's, that's really the first peti petition. Do you think it's important to glorify God? Or do you think it's um, just blas blasphemous to be a reproach to God as I refer to lightly, um, not lightly, but uh, quickly in Ezekiel in the passage that we looked at earlier? Well, here's the second petition. So whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so Paul just kind of narrows down a little bit more in verse 32. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or the church of God. Behave without giving offense. Prove yourselves to be averse to causing others to stumble, believers or unbelievers. Because even eating that, 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 that meat would be kind of odd to the, the um, unbelievers saying, oh, the Christians are eating that meat. And so it just depends on who you're, you're dealing with. So Paul basically just identifies all the known, known folks of that day, believe, believers and unbelievers, Jews, Greeks, and the church of God. So all Christian behavior, as the um, Bible knowledge commentary says, should be for the glory of God. And, and right here in this case study, we're learning what that looks like as far as the principle. So we can take it from meat that's been sacrificed to idols and then look at our own situations. We're all in situations where we're with weaker, stronger brothers or more mature brothers, sisters in Christ. How we behave, we want to make sure that whatever we do in their presence is not going to offend them or cause them to stumble or to weaken their own consciences because by our activity we're causing them and encouraging them to violate their own conscience. When when I sit down sometimes and, and, and counsel with someone and they say, I want to do this and, and blah, blah, blah. The first thing I ask them, apart from looking at the black and white commandments of the Lord saying, you know, but when we get to the gray areas, one of the first things I say, what is your conscience telling you? You know, what, what, what are you, and, and actually they end up usually answering the question that I've asked them and then they kind of know exactly the direction they should go because they're looking at the word, they're looking at their consciences and then their, their understanding, you know, what they need to do. Another little note here, which is kind of uh, interesting, um, the reference to Jews separate from the church shows the New Testament did not replace the Jewish nation. So for those of us, of course, um, in our church, we, we believe that, that, that God has a future for the nation Israel. And if it wasn't, if the church had just basically consumed the Jewish nation, then Paul right here wouldn't be differentiating between um, the church 
and, and the Jews. So it's, it's interesting. So it's, it's not a teaching of it, but it, it actually t- ties in with the other scripture that, with, that we read. And so in verse 33, just as I also please men in all things. It's interesting. Paul pleases all men. It's almost like he, he's doing all things to get you know, acceptance from people. That's not what that means. Uh, the word please is somewhat misleading. It seems to mean that the apostle habitually curried favor with everyone and tried to be liked by all. But, but we know that's not the truth. If we go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, uh, for I am now seeking the favor of men or of God. Or am I striving to please men? If I'm still trying to please men, I would not be the bondservant of Christ. No, he, he, what he's saying in here in the word please, if we wanted to unpack that a little bit, is not seeking my own spiritual profit, uh, but the profit, the sanctification or the building up of the many so that many may be saved. We, evangelism is, is really at the core here, but not at the expense of offending the weaker brother. You realize that? So you have an unbelieving guy, you're witnessing to him, you're in his company, and you're about to eat something that's going to offend your Christian brother who's standing right next to you. Paul says, offend the unbeliever and, 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 and minister to your believing partner. That, that's really a principle here. Our spiritual gifts are for the building up of the whole body, aren't they? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, Philippians 2.4. Uh, but also for the interests of others and have this attitude in you which was also in, in Christ. Romans 15.1 Now we who are strong ought to bear, weak, bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good and for his edification. Romans 15.1 See how all the, you, you dovetail all the passages of scripture together and all fits in with what we're talking about in this one passage. And then Paul's overall command. I love this. Be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. You know, sometimes I go back to my wife's um, Bible. And my thing just fell off. Now, for those of you who don't know, I, I lost my wife um, a couple of week, uh, couple weeks ago. 20 months ago to cancer. And so every now and then, if I'm teaching a passage, I'll go to her Bible, because she wrote all over her Bible. And um, I love what, what, she, what she said right here. Could I say this, is basically what Patty is saying. Could I, could I say this about myself? Be imitators of Paul, or be imitators of Christ. And, and that really kind of, really shot through to my heart, because actually, Patty did imitate um, uh, the apostle Paul. She d- it did imitate Christ. It wasn't perfect. None of the, us can do that in perfection, right? That, that's reserved for glory. But, but her goal and her aim and her desire, and that's really the thrust of this passage, is to live a life that's glorifying to God and imitating our Lord Jesus Christ, imitating Paul, imitating each other in the church, those who are growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's where we began in our message today and that's where we end and here's some questions to ask yourself for those of you who have not been through partners it's just a fantastic study well chapter 10 um, really helps us and, and really if we wanted to really understand how to best behave amongst each other are there biblical passages that relate to and address the practice that we're questioning right? Uh, Can you glorify God 
in this practice? Would Jesus engage in that activity? How about, um, you would, like, would you like to be found uh, in that practice, that position, that conversation, watching or listening to that entertainment well, when Jesus returns, right? Uh, how would you feel if Pastor Tom knew of that practice or that behavior that you're engaged at that one time? Or how would I feel if another believer was, gay, was, was engaged in said practice? Like if you saw me practicing in that. Uh, could you wear a t-shirt that reads, I am a Christian without being ashamed? And there was a guy at my work a long time ago, it was 20 or 30 years ago, and he was telling everyone he's a Christian, but his behavior was just, just really inconsistent with God's word. And I basically brought him into my office and I said, just don't tell people you're a believer. And I ordered him too. I was in the Air Force, I could do that. I said, you're bringing shame on the gospel. Uh, would your actions confuse a spiritually younger believer or family member? Uh, could, you, could your behavior and actions confuse a non-believer? Uh, do you doubt or feel guilty when you're engaging in a certain practice or behavior? That's a big one. Especially for many of us who've been in, under the teaching of God's word all these years. Our consciences have been formed. And so something just doesn't quite seem right. You know, sometimes we're in those situations. Have you ever been in that situation where you can't go to go, go chapter or verse, but you know it just, it's not right and you walk away from it. That's, that's a conscience that's been, been, been really conformed to the word of God. And we need to listen to it. That's what's so important. Uh, commercial break. For those of you who are not in partners, uh, you'll get through all this in chapter 10. It's a great program. And, and I love the, the chapter um, that deals with that. All right. Precepts for today. And I have four minutes. Because you all told me 10.45. Okay. Um, believers are commanded to glorify God in all their activity, right? Uh, in every action. And that's 10.31. Uh, believers are commanded to follow Christ's example in 11.1, right? Uh, believers are commanded to follow Paul's example, you know, in 11.1. Uh, this reminds me of Philippians. You remember the book of Philippians? I love that book. We... We went through uh, in, in 128, and I taught that up in the, um, up in the, um, in the, in the anyway, in our, our weekend retreat. But really, we saw a number of examples in, in Philippians chapter 2. We see Christ's example. We see Paul's example. We see Timothy's example. We, we see Epaphrodite's example. We have four examples in the book of Philippians. And that's why Paul includes all of those, those folks so that we can look at their life. And it's interesting. We have Christ, of course, the second person of the Trinity. We have Paul, who is an apostle. We have Timothy, who's an elder, and then we don't know who Epaphrodite was in the church. And so we, it covers the whole spectrum from A to B. It covers all of us. And yet, Paul was using all of those individuals to say, yeah, you can follow me. You know, it's interesting. We talk about being followers of Christ, right? You know, maybe we need to substitute the word follower, because follower is a real soft word. Maybe we have to say imitators of Christ. Wow, that, that puts a lot more, um, you know, attraction to it, doesn't it? You know, it's easy for us to say, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a disciple of Christ, but how many of us are com com comfortable by saying, um, I'm an imitator of Christ? 
And that's what I've been been chewing and meditating on. What does that mean for me? And and what is my desire to live and the decisions that I make? Um, Is that really at at, at the crux of what I want to do in in 2024? So so we need to exchange our vocabulary. I'm an imitator of Christ. It's not perfect. It's not perfection. It's direction. That's what my desire is. You know, I didn't go down here. Believers are commanded to follow Paul's. Believers should balance their Christian liberties with the desire to build up and benefit other Christian believers first. Believers should allow their freedom to be regulated by love. Uh, Believers are commanded to be examples to others in their sphere of influence, beginning with our immediate family. Think about that. You know, your wife, your, your husband, your children, your spiritual family, if you're, you're single and you're separated from your physical family, you, you have spiritual family here. How, how is your conduct uh, basically helping them? And we're to be examples to others in, in their sphere of influence. And, and it, I would say it begins with our immediate family. You know, you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is nothing new under the sun. You know, and hear, O Israel, Lord our God, Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And, and you shall teach your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren dig- diligently. And talk about it when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This is the same, this is exactly the same as what Paul is saying in, in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. You know, it's interesting that uh, Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, said this, if I could relive my, my life, this is Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God because he recognized how, how soft and pliable uh, they were. Interesting. Not to take anything away from, from all of us, but we could actually insert the word spiritual children. In other words, really being examples, being imitators of Christ so that we can really mentor and, and guide, especially the younger believers along in their faith. There's the Deuteronomy passage, Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2. All these slides are posted with uh, my message if you want to go back and look at the slides. And finally, believers' actions should be filtered in what's best for an evangelistic witness and the building up of everyone. So Paul was concerned about that. Our testimony, that's why we're here. That's why we weren't raptured right up to heaven when we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're stuck here on this earth because we are representing our Lord Jesus Christ. And with that, it's 1046. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day, Father. I know that... um, Clarity is just always my, my goal, Father, because it's not Chaz's words. It's not um, all the clever things that are out there. Or the, it's, it's, it's your word. And, and I pray, Father, that we have been able to have a clear, clear presentation of what you desire of us and, and how we treat each other, that, that our liberties are there, that they are to be enjoyed, but we, we need to be constrained, Father, especially when it comes to the nurturing of those who are in Christ, our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so prepare our hearts for those who haven't been to um, a worship service, and for those of us who have already been, may we apply the things, Father, that we have been uh, really taught today uh, by your Holy Spirit, and we'll pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.